running 100 miles isn't just a singular effort. It's a journey, a journey through hundreds of miles of training. But how do we get our hands on that first buckle? Hello and welcome to the Ultra Running Podcast with me, Coach Marshy. So how do we get our hands on that first buckle? Well, today we're going to introduce the guest who is Andrew Carver. Welcome, Andrew. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Andrew. You know, what do you do day to day? What do you do in the running world? Are you part of a running club, etc.? I am, yeah. I'm, well, I'm an engineer, so day to day I sit at a desk, which is the worst thing for the runners. You know, they always say, you know, yeah. be active, but uh, yeah, sitting sitting at a computer most of the day and on on video calls. Um, started running, so I joined High Runners, your, the club that you set up in uh, 2015. Yeah, so I joined in 2015, and um, the reason I joined was because I'd just recently changed jobs and previously I was um, commuting down to London and so I was cycling to the train station and back every day. So I was getting a good 10, 15 mile bike ride every day. Yeah. And I missed that with the new job and I could feel myself getting more and more out of shape and um, yeah, less healthy. Yeah. So for those that have just realized that we're, we're talking about high runners again. So that's the club that I founded in 2014 and Andrew joined uh, very soon after that in 2015. So we've been on a bit of a journey together through each other's individual journeys, if you like, as well. We've both been there throughout that. So um, we know a lot about each other, but today we're going to hopefully capture some stuff that uh, that Andrew's been through. And, and like we said in the intro there, talking about that first buckle so let's set the scene andrew the thames pathway 100 miler race in 2021 um centurion running so you find yourself on that start line and it's your first 100 mile attempt what's going through your head and what are you feeling i really was on the start line not knowing whether i'd finished that or not wow i, I didn't know because because it was so far from what I'd done before. I'd, I'd done a 50 miler, but 50 mile to 100 mile <laughs> is a big step. And, you know, how would the body react? Uh, would, how would the stomach react? Everything, I really didn't know. So it was a yeah. lot of anxiety there. Yeah, no, it's really interesting because obviously I know, I know you quite well and anyone, you know, some of the listeners will know you, but most of them won't. And I would say that, for, for Andrew to respond to that question in that way, for, for me, Andrew, to hear you say that is like, wow, he actually wasn't sure whether he would finish that event. So let's kind of unpick it then. So let's go all the way back. So your your running journey, obviously, you talk about joining our club back in 2015. Um, did you run ever in your life before that? I did at university. So about 30 years prior to that, I did... Um, 10Ks, and um, I even did a Cambridge half marathon in 1988. I think they just did a one or two back then before it was an annual event that is now. Yeah. So with with that in mind, 
you obviously had a big gap and then you came back to high runners in 2015. And what, what was yeah. the goal when you first came other than, you know, you'd miss that kind of activity of cycling to the train station. But in terms of running yeah. goals, yeah. did you have any? I really didn't. I, I did the odd park run when I was fit through cycling and got to, got to a reasonable time. Um, but um, didn't really have any goals. It was really just to to have something regular to prompt me to to stay fit. Yep. So if we jump forward then in that journey, you, you I remember standing on the start line of Cambridge Half Marathon many times and you, you've been there, you know, mm. since it reintroduced itself in 2012. So you sort of worked up to Half Marathon and let's forget what happened from that point up until you got to Half Marathon and then you're, you find yourself on the Half Marathon line and, you know, tell me a bit about that. How did it go year on year? Did you improve? Did you did you try and go for better times? How did that kind of work for you? I did. I built up so well, Camborne 10K and the Water Beach 10K. So a lot of local 10Ks around here that I did. And um, then I, I signed up for the Great North Run because I heard that that's the, an exciting half marathon to do. Yeah. And um, yeah, so in, in 20... Uh, 2016 I think I did the Great North Run so it's September time isn't it and yeah um, so I ran that and basically we've collapsed over the line I was so exhausted and I, I laid down on the on the ground and you know the marshals were trying to move me on yeah so Such a hard effort so you do that half marathon and then you know, filling in the gaps for, for a few of the guys because we want to talk about your your ultra journey, really. But filling in the gaps, you sort of improve year on year and you end up doing, if I'm right, one of the Cambridge half marathons in sub 130. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But and that then, on my journey, I think, too. So I, on uh, in December, I decided that I'd like to try and qualify for Boston Marathon. Right. And that was off the back of a half marathon. That was the furthest I'd ever run at that time. And uh, and also the, if I'd double my half marathon time, that wasn't even a Boston qualifier. So yeah. it was a, quite a lofty goal. Okay. And so I put in a, a good winter's worth of training and, yeah, got to a reasonable time at Cambridge Half. So what, what year was that? Yeah, 2017. 2017. Okay, so... I know you qualified for the Boston Marathon. So obviously you went to Boston and did that. So would you say from that Cambridge Half Marathon, um, from that point there on until you did the Boston Marathon, would you say that was the changing point in your kind of recent running history in terms of your achievement and what you thought you might be able to do? I'd say it set the goal because I'm I'm pretty determined. So I I set myself a goal and then I try and figure out how to get there. And yeah, yeah. Sometimes there's a lot of steps, um, and so that was. I mean, at the time, a marathon was pretty much the biggest I'd heard of, and so yeah. that was the goal. So there you find yourself at Boston. Um, what year was that? Sorry. Yeah, 2018. So 2018, Boston. Yeah. And uh, anyone who follows the running world will basically remember that one as the washout year. It was pretty <laughs> rainy, right? It was horrendous, yeah. And um, so you go there, you complete your marathon, 
And then as you've just mentioned, you say, you know, that's the longest you'd heard of. And you're thinking you went to Boston and you've done various marathons since. However, you decided you wanted to get into the ultra running world. Now, I've got a question based on a, a Saturday solo um, interview that I, I did on myself recently, which was I've got this theory that we get into the ultra running world based on one of three things. And, and they are that you see something in the media or on social media, YouTube, whatever, Netflix, you know, someone who was doing it or it was just a natural next step for you in your journey. If, if you had to pick one of those categories, what was it that happened to you? Yeah, it's the third category. So I'm challenge driven and yeah. I it was that natural, that natural next step for you. Natural next step. That's so right. yeah, cool. So let's just fast forward. Um, when was your first ultramarathon? When was it and what was it? Well, the first ultramarathon is technically, it was a 50K and it was in Kings Forest in near Thetford. Yeah. And I ran it like a marathon. It's 50K. And so I went off pretty much at slightly below marathon pace, I would say, but it was cross country. So it was, uh, and then I just tried to hang on for the last, um, what, six, seven miles. Yeah. beyond the marathon yeah and that pretty much worked i mean I, I was beaten up at the end of it but you'd expect to be i think yeah so you, uh, you know i know personally that when we talk about sort of my journey and you know i very much look at andrew as a mentor you know you're definitely a mentor for me um you're very interested in the sport and you read a lot around it and you know mm. i remember going to a, a 35 miler recently and uh, you, you making that same, you know, cracking that sort of joke about it, you know, that there's that, it's pretty much a marathon, right? You could run it like a marathon. And I think that that distance, there is that side of it. And and I see that a lot talking to the guys that we personally know, they, they, would, they would approach it in that way. But if we go beyond that and go to the next sort of level up, call it 50 miles or 100K, you know, what's your kind of experience around that kind of level? Yeah, so then, as I said, I, I set myself the goal of um, trying to qualify for the UTMB. So I'm, I'm a big fan of running, and um, end of August every year there's the UTMB and UTMB Live on um, on YouTube. You yeah. can sit all weekend and watch running, and they, they have helicopters following the runners and uh, – now they have actually electric bikes and all sorts, so it's fantastic. So I was watching that in, um, I think, August of uh, probably 2018, and I said, oh, I'd like to qualify for the, C the, the you know, well, CCC or UTMB. Yeah. So what do I need to do to, to do that? Oh, okay, you need UTMB points. What, what do you do? How do you get the UTMB points? Okay, there's certain races, and they have to be big enough races to get enough points to qualify. So with a friend in, we identified a couple of races that we could do before the end of, end of the year to get in in the qualifying window. And so we identified the um, – it was the Beacons Ultra, which is a couple of laps around the Brecon Beacons, and yeah. it was uh, just short of 50 miles, I think, at the time. And the other one was the Sunrise Ultra. Yeah, so um, 
just before we go any further, I'll, I'll declare that we're not sponsored by any race organisers or any brands. So, mm -hmm. but we do like to build relationship with these people because these people inspire us that provide these events for us to go to. And, you know, dark side running what they created at the sunrise in 2019, you know, it was just, it was in December. So it was pre pandemic and it was the, the inaugural year and, you know, I sound like I'm really passionate about it, talking about it now. It's because I, I went along and, and drove Andrew and our friend Ian to, to the start line and then kind of crewed it a little bit, I guess, along the way. Um, and what a great event that was. It was an overnight yeah. around the, around the um, east coast of, of the UK here in, in um, from Clay-on-Sea to Great Yarmouth, right? Yes. And... Tell us a little bit about running alongside the North Sea overnight. First of all, we looked at it and we thought we couldn't believe our luck because it was a reasonably flat course that gave enough points. So we thought, how can this be? But we realised that they don't give away points easily because uh, <laughs> it, it was hard in other ways. So the overnight element, so it starts at sunset or at 10 o'clock at night and um, you have until sunrise to get to Great Yarmouth is the goal. And yeah. yeah, this this one. So we did it in 2019, and um, for the first three or four hours, there was driving wind coming <laughs> offshore, and uh, and driving rain as well. So it's it was tough and sapping. Yeah, and then just to go with the North Sea and the cold and and that, that offshore winds and and rain, you literally take a couple of hundred meters on a, on a trail path out to shingle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what was that? The first four miles? miles? Yeah. First two or three miles, I think along the shingle beach. Yeah. Where every step and your, your foot just sinks and slides. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, like you're saying, the UTMB points, they, they, they're not, they're not giving away for free. You've got to work for them. And then later on down that coastline, just really briefly, you were jumping seals and running sand dunes, right? Yeah, I mean, they they diverted the course so that it didn't go along the beach because there was a, a load of seals um, on that section. But some of the seals had worked their way up onto the path that they diverted us onto. And, yeah, um, yeah under, under headlight, we couldn't see them at all. So they just looked like rocks and suddenly <laughs> just rear up and uh, come yeah. out. It's, it's quite scary. Well, at least in the UK, they're seals and not uh, not bears or cougars or whatever else you might get in the States so, and in Canada. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we're lucky just to have seals and cows to deal with. Um, yeah. So UTMB points, you do those two races, you're successful, you, you, you grab those points, then what happens? Well, because it's like London Marathon, so it's a lottery. So you go into a ballot, and so I was fully expecting to not get in at all. And, um, yeah, fortunately or unfortunately, I, I got a place in the, the CCC, which is one of the, the five races at UTMB. Yeah. Um, it's the 100-kilometer race. And, uh, yeah, I got a place for um, – for 2020 right so the pandemic hits so that gets cancelled pandemic hits so yeah that gets cancelled um which 
in hindsight, actually was was pretty lucky because I, I don't think I could have finished that right. race. Um, well, just just in because of inexperience, or yeah, I didn't have the the physical preparation, right? For it, I don't think that I was a strong enough climber. Yeah. Um, because yeah, the CCC is twenty thousand feet of climbing elevation, and just the the first three or four hours, and you you you're actually climbing to to um, two and a half thousand meters. Right. Which we have nothing in the UK to train on to get there. Especially living in Cambridge here, right? It's shocking. Especially living on the fens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So so obviously that didn't happen in 2020. It did happen in 2021, but I'm not even sure we were able to travel. So what, what's happened with your place? Is it carried over or? Yeah, so when they, they cancelled, they, they actually kept our money nicely enough, but they did say that uh, we've got a guaranteed place in either 2021, two or three. And okay. so we, we, we get the option to choose to, to defer it, which um, I'm going to do it next year now. So, so in 2022. 22. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. So, um, so obviously that becomes, that becomes the goal and becomes a process and you've got those UTMB points and you qualified, you've got in on the lottery and you've got that place now ready for 2022. But I remember a conversation we had, which we kind of joke about, and I've mentioned it on the podcast before. We we were standing there listening to Lazarus Lake or, or someone at the National Running Show in 2020, just pre-pandemic in the January. So the National Running Show in the UK and we were at the ultra running stage hosted by bad boy running and we were listening to the conversation but not the conversation on the stage the conversation on the stage but also around us and we make a joke that the question wasn't about how many ultras people had done it was how many 100s they'd done right yeah certainly and and we we stood there and we chatted about it and we realized that hold on we should do 100 miles so you obviously then set that goal. I know you set that goal. So, yeah. what, what made you set that goal? Was it was it that conversation, or what, was it the was it just the general next step again? It was a bit of both, really. So it was another. So with the UTMB being delayed, so I, I decided to set another challenge. And um, I know Centurion Running, who's another great organising company, they've. Uh, they run several hundred milers that are well waymarked and uh, well organized. So yeah. I decided to to look into what's involved in uh, in doing one of those. And so even to get in one of those, you need to do a fifty miler just to yeah. to show that you're you, you know you've got a possibility of completing it. Really. Yeah. Uh, so you, you you obviously had that in the bag. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I just tried to add a uh was entered into a couple of other 50 milers to uh to actually get it as a qualifier and in the end i I just contacted them and said look i've done a, a 48 miler with quite a lot of ascent is that okay and um they were they were happy that that was okay and that in pandemic times it's uh, it's hard to get other races in so yeah no absolutely so just before we get on to that there we are in the pandemic of 2020 and uh there's 
there's a few ultra runners in our club, just so that everyone's aware. There's there's a few few that do ultra running or have shown an interest definitely. And uh, basically, Andrew approaches me with with our friend Ian in in about I think it was probably in May, maybe April, and identified that because we're in the pandemic, should we do something a bit different? Should we challenge ourselves in a bit of a different way? So basically, they're proposing to me that we do something called the accumulator, which people may be familiar with that phrase in the ultra running world. They may not be, but basically accumulator is where you take the date of any given month um, and you do the number of miles that the date represents. So for example, on the first, you do one mile on the 15th, you do 15 and so on. So you do that every single day plus one mile until you complete the month. So Andrew and Ian decided to challenge me and themselves to doing this on in the June of, of 2020. And in a word, we did it. What 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 went through yeah. your head in A setting the challenge and B Yeah, it was a bit, a bit silly because there was what it's a it's a full month. So it's yeah. not like February where you only get the 28 days, but um also it was hot, wasn't yeah. it? It was, it was boiling. Absolutely yeah, which, which make, makes it tough uh, in terms of the drain. But uh, now that was a massive learning experience in terms of the mental drive to get yourself out the next day, certainly the, the last week when you do marathon after marathon. Yeah, no, it was tough. And, you know, I'll get your thoughts on this, actually. On the 27th, we celebrated. We all did it together oh, on yes. the 27th. We, we didn't break any COVID rules. Um, but we went to a local reservoir, Grafham Water, near us, and we all did it together, didn't we? And yeah. we celebrated that like it was over, and we still had the 28th, 29th, and 30th to go. So what was your take on that, you know, on the 27th? It was a bit like that, yeah, right? That, that was a great event. So it's it's a nine-mile loop around the reservoir. So we just did three loops around the reservoir. And, um, yeah, no, it was great to, uh, to get out and see other people, even at yeah. a distance. Yeah, no, it was good. It was. It was really effective for me. Um, so obviously we're not we're not in a lab and we're not we're not sports scientists in the sense of trying to find out answers to data, but you, you decided to plot some stuff during that accumulator and have a look at certain things. What was it that you plotted between the three of our, our datas and what did you find? Yeah, it was really the rate at which we slowed down across the month in terms of um percentages and it was very similar for the for the three runners i mean ian was very strong throughout yeah and you know i i slowed down a, a certain percentage and you were the same percentage yeah slowed down so whether that's that we started too too fast i don't know but um but i think was it day it was 21 we hit and then we main managed to maintain after yep. that was it after day 21 we didn't get any worse yep yeah which i i found at the time really strange um obviously i love sports science and and conditioning and things like that so that that was really interesting that you plotted it for us so we've and done actually, that I, I did it again in the february of of this year i yeah. did another accumulator obviously it was a lot easier being uh, being cooler yeah and uh, having already done one but um, yeah, we were well again in in the lockdown, and so I couldn't go any more than three miles from the house. So that yeah. was a, a challenge in itself as well. 
Yeah, so we're going to talk about that in a, in a moment, actually, in relation to your 100 miler. In fact, let's let's jump ahead to that now. So your 100 miler, the Thames Pathway Centurion race um, in, when was it in 21? Was it, in May? it was in May. It was May, so was yeah, it, first week of May. It was in its usual usual slot, and, and you're, you're going to be on that start line, as we said earlier on. And the training leading up to it, I, I vaguely remember, if you can just tell us what you did, you kind of played with the accumulator week, um, yeah. Sort of the the sort of late teen mileage, I think. Yeah, so I, d- I decided that okay, probably didn't need that much speed work, and it was really more endurance and to try and bulletproof the legs and you know make them adapted for um, yeah for the fatigue. So there yeah. were a lot of back-to-back runs. So I'd been reading a lot of books, and they, they all seemed to say, okay, go back-to-back at the weekend uh, with the longer runs. And so, yeah, I thought that the accumulator would would be a great opportunity to build that kind of base. And being in February, it was far enough uh, in front that I would have recovered from it by, by May. Yeah. And yeah. then, again... I love I love data, and so I, I plotted it, and I saw that my main adaptations were actually in the third week. Okay. And so in the third week of April, I actually replicated that third week. Okay. To to, <laughs> so to did try another and... accumulator. So yeah. yeah. So it's basically the thirteen up to the twenty-one miles. Okay. And that, and you saw the most adaptations happen then, and and you thought that would be a, a, yeah. a good footing for the the hundred miler that was to come, obviously in May. Yeah. Okay, so there you are. You're 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 very target driven. You you I know that, but you've explained that here in the episode as well. And mm. um, you're target driven. So you're going into this hundred miler. Did you have an expectation as to what you wanted to achieve? I did. I had a big goal. I wanted to do 24 hours in a day. So that okay. was kind of the the, the tagline or the, the, the challenge because I thought of that as something that is epic. If you think 100 miles is a long way and to do it in a day is, yeah. uh, is a great challenge. And certainly Centurion recognized that and they, they give a special buckle if you can do it in one day. Okay, how, how does that work? Just just quickly tell us how they do that. Yeah, so there's a, there's a finishers buckle that you yeah. that everyone that beats the cutoff would get, and then there's a um, hundred miles in a day buckle, which is okay. uh, just has in a day written on the top. Right, is it a different color? It's the it's the same color. It's just a different molding, I think. And okay. Yeah, basically they they pack that box up when the twenty four hours ticks by, and then they get the other box out. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah, thing, right? Because because I've done. Some people would say that's like elitism, but I I would disagree with anyone who would think that. I I've obviously I've done you know I've done Ironman, and there's a strict cut off in there. There's a cut off for the for each mm. individual discipline as well as you're going round, and that's there for a reason, right? cut-offs are there for a reason because it's not meant to be inclusive and it's not meant to be easy is it it's meant to be a challenge isn't it and um yeah you can set the level of challenge that you want can't yeah you, to some extent yeah. so what was the cut-off what was the general cut-off 
The general cutoff was 28 hours. Okay. Okay. So an extra four hours to get a buckle. Yeah. Basically. And then 24 hours or below to get the, the, the 100 miles in a day. So you've got that target, right? You're standing on that start line and you've done in what you've described here, a very good training bout leading up to it. So I, I did, but then I was, I was a little bit foolish because um, two weeks before we, we were let out of um, lockdown or strict lockdown. Yeah. And so we had a, a trip to Derbyshire where I went running in the hills and um, obviously from January till, till March, I'd just been running in the fens. So on the flat yeah. around the little circuit. And so all of my adaptations had been for flat running. Yeah. So, you know, listening to one of your previous guests who said that every injury is, is a training fault, right? Yeah. And if you change something and I changed something just for that, that one run and, um, yeah, picked up a, a, a niggle that uh, turned out to, you know, be quite painful. And, you know, the, the frustration of that, and I was angry with myself and, uh, you know, just two weeks after all of the hard work, because three months I couldn't think of anything else pretty much other than this 100 mile and getting to the start and to the finish yeah. successfully. Yeah, no, that's an interesting concept as well, what you say there about you couldn't think of anything else. But so you did this training run and, and you know, you're frustrated with yourself and, you know, you're going into the morning of and you've woken up and you've got yourself to the start line. Is that all playing on your mind? It is because the week before and I went for a seven or eight mile run and I had to walk home. I couldn't couldn't run home. It was that, that painful. Okay. Uh, so... Yeah. yeah yeah no really frustrating and so you've put all this work in you're frustrated with yourself and on the start line you're thinking about it so straight away that could work against some people i guess like in terms yeah. of mindset um yeah talk, talk me um, through the first quarter the, the first 25 miles you know in, how in, in, in true, true style as well there was um a storm that came across as well. So there was, uh, it was raining heavily and uh, high winds. So yeah. about 40 mile an hour winds again. Yeah. So you've got all of that against you yeah. and that first 25 miles that you're doing. So how did yeah, the first so, 25 go first quarter? Well, again, as you know, I'm, I'm quite a planner. I like to, sometimes think and overthink things and so yeah. i did have a plan for all of the paces that i wanted to hit right at the at the various um sections and so i very much had a pace plan and i'd say i pretty much stuck to it for that first um well 15 miles i would say yeah yeah right well and was it hard to I, stick to? I try and I try. Um, it was it was it was quite a steady pace, so I wanted to not go off too fast. And um, yeah, I even remember talking to a guy that I was running with, and you know, we were, we were talking about uh, 
paces and he was saying okay you know i've got this this and this goal and uh i said well the pace is maybe a little bit hot i'm gonna have to let you go there <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so i let him go and um yeah i did, did actually see him later in the race as it uh he, he was suffering a bit with the um the flat nature of it yeah so thames pathway fairly flat right from london to oxford yeah yeah there's two thousand feet of climbing over the hundred miles so yeah it's just the even the to us Fe- even to us fenland fake we're all right with that i think we can manage that we are and that and that's the reason i chose it because so i i basically in my in my thought i had okay i'd like to do a hundred miles in a day which hundred miler do i want to do do i want to do the north downs way south downs way Ah, they sound a little bit tough. Let's let's go for the Thames path. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, as you're going through that race, you know you've explained how you got there. You explained about a few things that potentially were were a hindrance on on that build up and and in your mind potentially as well. So then, you get to halfway, and were there any thoughts in your mind around the halfway? stage that, that stood out or even that whole concept of wow i've got to do that again no i mean again at that um national running show when james was uh, up on the stage he said never pull out at halfway most people psychologically struggle to say that uh yeah it's got the same to go again and so i said not even going to make a decision until 60 miles anyway yeah. And so, so that half my that made the halfway point seem a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I had started to struggle with the paces, my pace chart that I'd set. Yeah. So, the first twenty or thirty miles, I was pretty much nailing pretty easily, and then it was yeah. becoming tougher and tougher because the the terrain was really getting slippery and muddy. And um, I decided to try and run it in road shoes, which was a big mistake. Okay. Anyone who's doing that event, who's listening to this, <laughs> take that down as a note. Don't well, wear road shoes. He could have got away with it had it been dry, but this this storm that came through, it just soaked everything. So it was puddle jumping and, um, and muddy. And actually up to about 50 50 or 60 miles it was okay it was the 10 miles to goring which is the 70 mile aid station which is the only place you can have a drop bag so i had my trail shoes in the drop bag at 70 miles wow because the last part of the the run is actually more traily anyway right okay so it makes sense to have them in that drop bag yeah but you could have done with them 10 miles previous absolutely yeah yeah yeah, no, it's an in- interesting, interesting to hear those sorts of things as well. Not just specifics to that race, but actually, you know, trying to think about those things. You've got, there's a lot to think about before you do 100 miles. It's a long way, right? A lot can change in 24 hours. It is a long way. And actually, there's so many things that I've learned in doing it as well. And just little things like how to pack your backpack. I had a, um, a power pack for recharging my phone and my my uh, Garmin. And um, it was sat against my back. And just that rubbing for 
20 hours you can imagine yeah but made my back sore and having my phone in the in the front pocket on my hydration vest actually yeah. just how it rubs you need to make sure that if you're doing anything for that long that it's comfortable and it's, it's all uh, all sorted yeah. out and organized yeah no and i think so let's get to the final stages of that race then so you wanted to do 100 miles in in 24 hours you wanted that that buckle you know 100 miles in a day so yeah. your target was to get in within and that time so i said it was, it was getting harder and harder at 50 miles to maintain my pace chart and so as as it got to 60 70 80 miles i was i was finding it even more tough and dropping even beyond that um that pace yeah but luckily for the last i guess 10 or 20 miles on my pace chart i had okay maybe walking pace so if I, if i can't run i'll have walking in my plan yeah and uh so i knew that i needed to be faster than the three and a half miles an hour that i had in my in my plan yeah if i wanted to get there so what was it? How did it go? There was, there was, a, there was a lot of mental maths, and uh, <laughs> I'm usually pretty good at it. But as you get tired and, um, you know, if your fueling hasn't gone ideally, uh, it, it's hard to concentrate. And also at nighttime under torchlight, when you're actually having to look at every step, it just uses so much of your, your brain power. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can I can relate at a sort of much lower level, but um, hopefully I'll find out. But we, um, yeah. So you, what was your time? What yeah. did you get? Yeah, twenty two and a half hours. So twenty two and a half hours. So you weren't even close to the twenty four in the end. You know, it weren't like you were chasing it down. You know, you, you yeah, you it was got a, in. It was about, I think, seventy five miles that I figured that if I only walked the rest it would be a just over 24 hours right and so i pushed myself to to run walk strategy by that time and um run as much as i could so uh that there weren't any other runners around at that time it was uh i was, so I was just on my own um running pretty, pretty lonely right yeah so would you say 100 miles could be a lonely place? Uh, it definitely can. I mean, there were 350 runners, I think, in the event, and it was still in COVID regulations. So it was staggered starts anywhere between, I think, 7 and 9.30. And right. I think I started at about 8 o'clock. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was pretty strung out, and there were only two people allowed in the aid stations at a time. So there was a little bit of waiting there. But. Yeah. No, interesting, you know, as if, you know, because 100 miles isn't hard enough, let alone having to do it under COVID restrictions so that it can go ahead safely as well, right? You know, yeah. not not James's fault at Centurion or not not yours. No, he did a fantastic and job and all of the crew there. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, so you did it. You got your, you got your 100 <laughs> miles buckle. in a day buckle as well. Um, obviously, since then, I, I, you know, I've come and 
and watched you very recently in in an event um another centurion event at, at the wendover woods the the 50 miler which was 10 mile loops half the distance but with yeah. ten thousand feet of elevation yep so talk to me about the differences or what's gone through your mind over the last couple of weeks since you did that event and you know yes, how you compare it to the hundred and things like that well as i said um I realized how woefully ill-prepared I would be for the UTMB next yeah. year. And I did the uh, Ultra Trail Snowdonia this year again. Yeah. With Ian and uh, again, that showed me, you know, what it's like to have to have to climb for so long. And um, I bought myself a, um, a soft plyo box. And so force myself because I don't usually watch much television, but force myself to watch television and just step up, step down and alternate in every 10 steps to yeah. one leg and then the other as a predominant lead leg, uh, just to try and build some climbing strength in. And, uh, so that's kind of been the journey this year. So I've done the CCC and then the lakes in a day, which is another great adventure. Yeah. And uh, and then Wendover Woods, which um, we pretty much thought, okay, we'll we'll turn up to that, and it'll be you know a nice easy, uh, you know, fifty fifty miler. It's certainly after lakes in a day where we've got some pretty big hills that we're going up. Yeah. And man, was that surprisingly hard! It was a tough event. Yeah, I guess. I mean. <sighs> So I should have been that in that event with you and I decided to go and recce it. So I managed to give you, uh, you know, I didn't yeah. make the event start line, but I managed to give you a little bit of insight that it perhaps wasn't the national forestry that we thought it might have been. And just, mm. uh, just a nice, I mean, it's on the race advert, right? It says 10,000 feet. It's not like it's a secret, yeah. but you, you think you're going to go to a national forestry and maybe there's a few climbs in there that would, would have contributed to that 10,000 feet, you know, five laps of that or whatever. But in reality, it was pretty much up and down all the way, right? It was, and with the lap element, I mean, you knew what was coming. You knew exactly what was coming, and <laughs> it wasn't easy. Yeah, yeah, no, I think uh, I think there's some good lessons there to be learned, and uh, certainly ones that will pass on to our to our running club for sure. So, your ultra journey it continues, right? So you've mentioned obviously UTMB. Um, yep. what what would you say is the the kind of bucket list race or the bucket list event to take part in? Yeah, and I was thinking about this, and I think for me it's got to be the Dragon's Back race. Right, okay, yeah. Which is my big challenge. Yeah. I Any... mean, there are, there are some epic races out there. I mean, the, there's the Spine race, which is – epic in a different way and then marathon de sable again epic in a different yeah. one uh, but yeah the dragon's back is the one that excites me and again so i sat down and planned what do i need to do to get there so it won't be next year but potentially maybe the next the year after yeah but, no it's interesting i was just gonna i was gonna say that i was gonna ask because obviously my experience with you is what you've explained here to, to us today is that you, you have a goal, you look at what that goal is and then what it, you do the steps back 
in order to know what it is that you've got to do to achieve that. So I'm assuming you're kind of planning that dragon's back as we sort of speak and record this episode, you know, that's kind of the stuff that's yeah. going through your kind of head and your, your periodization plans and things that you're putting in are going to be based around that right over the next sort of 18 months. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. And um, there's a, there's a, a, cause I haven't done a stage race before right. I mean, okay we've, we've done the accumulator ultra which you talked about earlier yeah which is kind of similar stresses but i mean that's pretty easy isn't it just running around and all on the flat uh yeah yeah running around Houston. sleeping in your own bed yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> but um a, a stage race is next level i haven't done any stage races and so next year i'd like to put a couple of those in just to to get used to how to be efficient in the uh, the overnight stations how to recover yeah. quickly how to not go off too hard on you know on day one day two yeah i don't know for those that that don't know the dragon's back is a six day race and actually it has um was it fifty seven thousand feet of climbing wow yeah, which is um, so twice up Everest or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in that is days. that is going to be epic. That you know, that's that's a journey, and you know, you you answer the question that I, that I've kind of highlighted and perhaps made a thing for us here on the Ultra Running Podcast about how did how did each individual ultra runner get into it, and yours is you know not just how you got into it, but actually everything seems to be on this natural next level or next step of challenge. Um, yeah, and actually my wife always says about her elastic limits. And, yeah. okay, we can't imagine it now. So it's when the marathon was the lo the longest distance I'd heard of at the time. And yeah, yeah. My, my elastic limits have, have moved a little bit. and so we Yeah, I like that. So, uh, yeah, no, any, anyone who wants to um, – it's interesting, actually, because – and Andrew's wife, Jan, has been on the show. Um, she's a previous episode and titled Couch to Ultra. So um, go, and, go and listen to that one. So just on that note, um, obviously you've you've been involved in the ultra world. You, you're very involved in our running club on a local level. And one of your sons and your wife are both into this as well. Yeah. So what's it like taking part in an ultra marathon and in the ultra world of training, but then also being a husband and a dad to people that are, are striving for similar stuff. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great to, to be able to share their uh, successes as well. And I know the excitement and the nervousness on the, the line. So when I was supporting Mike over in Snowdonia, when he did this um, sky race and, uh, and Jan, when she's doing her races, uh, as well it's it's great to be to be able to be there in the excitement and and actually you learn a lot through through supporting and um crewing for the these races as well it's an invaluable part of the journey uh, and the learning yeah no i'd back that up massively you know coming and crewing you guys across the uh the sunrise there it was you know following you through the night and just standing on the side of the north sea and giving you a clap was uh very eye-opening from a yeah, and very welcomed as well thank you yeah no yeah i'm sure 
it was great. Yeah, you know, it was it was great to follow you on that journey and and see your emotions at various points as well. And I think if you're not there and you don't get to see that, you you can't even expect to know how that would be if you've not ever seen it with your own eyes and seeing you in 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 an aid station, the indoor aid station, and you know you guys needed a hand with with battery changes and stuff for your lights and whatever. And, yeah. you know, seeing that it gives you, and it, it then gives me as a runner the opportunity to know that that's going to happen. If yeah. I continue to participate, that will be how I feel in that moment at some point. Um, so, yeah. So the rest of this year, you've, you're, you're going to go back to the, the sunrise, um, but you're going to do the full, right? Yeah. I'm going to try the full. Yeah, so did the half sunrise, as they call it, which is the 45 miles. Um, yeah. So this year I'm going to try and do the 87 miles, which is the full sunrise um, ultra. So that actually starts at sunset. Yeah. So just before four o'clock. And for anyone who's familiar with the Wash area, that is in Snettisham in the Wash, basically, right near Kings Lynn. And you literally go out of the wash and round, round East Anglia all the way down, you know, round the coastline to Great mm. Yarmouth, which is epic. So, and full of sand, which isn't easy to run on, right? It was sand and pebbles, yeah. Sand and pebbles. So, yeah, no, awesome, awesome. So, just in a in a quick sentence, what's what's the worst thing that you've experienced during an ultra marathon? Well, actually. The Grim Reaper, yeah. The year that you you did it as well, I think there were several from the club that did it. So again, it was a ten mile lapse, and oh, it was a, a great event. And we did it. I did it with uh, my wife Jan, and we we did a hundred miles between us. So as a as a team, and it was so hot. And I think whether it was inexperience, I went off far too fast and, uh, you know, you, you got 24 hours or so to finish. There's no reason to go off like a, uh, you know, as if you're in a race. And yeah, I did the first couple of laps at, you know, a reasonable pace. And it was so hot that I had such gastric problems on that, that race. I remember it well. I remember it well, Andrew. Terrible. I do. I do remember it well. Um, so I think every every race that you do, you learn a little bit more, don't you? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that I've ever taken, and I think being that sponge and absorbing, you know, even even that day, watching you that day, and and I would argue if it's if it's all right to say, it wouldn't be the case now, but I would say I probably had a little bit more ultra experience than you at that point. Um, and even watching you that day, I gained so much from doing that. I mean, don't get me wrong, guys that are listening. That's very much tables are turned. Now, Andrew is is my mentor very much on these things. And I really enjoy hearing his stuff so that I can absorb it as a sponge and learn from, from anything that you guys do. But even that day where I had done that event a few times and had done another 50 miler elsewhere, I, I, I watched you guys. And even though I could have, potentially foreseen that i don't know but i watched it and i thought oh wow must take note of that don't you know don't do that don't don't ever make that mistake in the future and you know yeah. sometimes when you talk about it we forget about that really mm. until you talk about it and actually it'd be really handy for anyone listening to to really make a note of that and remember you know you're not in a 
You're not in a 10K. You're not in a half marathon. If you're on a lapped ultra, yeah. that doesn't mean you do each lap as a, a 10K lap or a 10-mile lap. You don't do it like a race. You do it for a whole race, and you just yeah. see it as aid station, kind of those aid station points. But, yeah, no, I do remember that. I remember you and Jan doing that as a – I believe it was an uh, an anniversary special, was it? It was, yeah. It was our 25th anniversary and yeah. actually our 50th birthday year as well. So um, so why not yeah, go for an ultramarathon? Yeah, it's decided to do 100 uh, miles between us. So. Yeah, no, epic. Yeah, Absolutely we did. Epic. So no, that, that's a really fond fond memory of, uh, of achieving that. But it was one of the hardest, I think, or the lowest points that I've got to in, a, in an ultramarathon. Yeah, and great that you've built on that since then. You know, your journey since then has been great to watch. So um, so what does what does running mean to you and what does running give you? Yeah, it, it gives me a time to, uh, I guess, to go out and not think about anything else or to focus on just just aspects of running, really. It's... Uh, Yes, it's just something that I can challenge myself with, and it's um, yeah, yeah, it's just something that I, I'm I'm a fan of running and everything running, and uh, you know I like to hear other people's stories. I like to to watch races, I like to run in races, and I like to uh, to 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 see what affects performance. So, and yeah, part of the challenge of how how do you train up for certain events. So, like I said, I did the UTS this year, which is the Ultra Trail Snowdonia. Yeah. And, yeah, that would have been a, a car crash without going and wrecking it, I think, and doing some specific training over in Snowdonia. Yeah. But I love the, the opportunity to go for holidays with the family and uh, go and run in Snowdonia. That was uh, yeah, yeah, awesome. part, of, part of the journey. No, absolutely awesome. Awesome. I love that. You know, and, and we are, we are, there's a lot of us that are fans in our club of the sport. Um, it goes beyond, it goes beyond just running ourselves, but actually the challenge of how to do is kind of our, it's kind of our thing collectively, I would say, you know, we're, we haven't got anyone who's massively experienced in that before the club existed and decided to make the club on that. This is all, we're all, you know, whoever goes to the hundred miler first, in your case, it was you, um, you know, when, when myself and Simon went back and did the 70 milers, you know, mm -hmm. these, we're, we're going to these places for the first time ever as a club as well. And it, it, you can just see this effect down the club, even if they don't have an aspiration to do an ultra marathon. One of the biggest things I've seen is that from the achievements in the ultra world, how it has affected the rest of our running club in a positive way. Yeah, yeah. And, and certainly, certainly when, when I started, I, started, I was just I was doing, doing 10K, 10Ks, and I saw, saw Nigel yourself and two of the others all uh, all doing half marathons and marathons. And I thought, ah, oh, okay, maybe that is, you know, achievable. Give it a go. <laughs> Give yeah. it a go, yeah. No, absolutely. And what, what a journey so far, Andrew. So if you had to give a couple of tips or a few tips to someone who – who wanted to do their first hundred miler? What what would that be? What would those tips be? I'd say definitely consistency in training. So don't overdo it. Um, yeah. So you need to get to the start line fit and healthy. 
certainly the back-to-back long runs are a staple for anything that is that is that long um yeah because as i mentioned there's a chap that i was running with early on where i said your pace is too hot you know you're gonna have to go and uh um, maybe see you later but maybe not good luck if not and yeah at 60 miles his his quads were gone and uh his hamstrings because he's not used to running on the flat for so long yeah. but we're blessed with running on the flat in the fens yeah <laughs> we can train on our local busway routes and uh yeah yeah no interesting interesting i'll certainly absorb that as i as i continue my journey back from injury and and towards my goal of that 100 miles so Awesome stuff, Andrew. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you coming on and and sharing that story with me. And actually, it's great to to actually have the time where we can sit and chat through it in a little bit more depth like we have today. So really appreciate appreciate having you on, mate. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. Thanks, Nick. Absolutely awesome. So, guys, hope you all enjoyed the show. Um, and if you did, if you could go and give it a rating, that would be much appreciated. And any reviews would also be appreciated. Do not forget to share it on to anyone who you think may find Andrew's interview interesting, especially anyone who is approaching that first sort of 100-mile distance as well. So we're all done here today, so I hope you enjoyed yourself, and I look forward to meeting you here again to discuss more on the Ultra Running Podcast with me, Coach Marshy.